third questions are invariably that part of the case preparation that the majority of the candidates do not take as seriously as they should. Um, I believe that even if you look at the statistics we have for people that we screen and interview before we consider them for a place in our program, I would think 90% of them say their biggest issues are cases, um, math, and the vast majority, you know, place fit questions at the end, if they ever bring it up. Most of them say they're fine with it. And I find that quite surprising because if you've ever spoken to a management consultant, whether it's a McKinsey or BCG or a partner from a consulting firm, one thing you'd notice is that they communicate articulately and they have this ability to take a conversation and turn it into this compelling story or narrative that you feel obligated to follow as they have this communication with you. And clearly, fit is a, is a number of elements. It's the way you present yourself. It's your profile in total. It's the way you speak. It's the way you listen to people. It is basically the image you create your, for yourself, which is a combination of many elements, and from the way you dress, for your body language, your tone, your pitch, your accent, and so on. Which And I find it very surprising that people say, you know, I failed the case. And when, I, when people say that, I always think to myself, how do they know they failed the case? If the interviewer says you didn't communicate clearly, how did you know it was a content problem or an ability to articulate the content which was correct? I mean, most people cannot make that distinction, and it's a very important distinction. You know, did you have the wrong content, or were you unable to communicate that content? So when a lot of candidates tell me that um, they're fine on the fit and fine on the communication, to be honest, I think they're not right. I don't think they're right. Uh, from what I've seen, most people don't get into the top firms, not because of their case skills, but because they don't look like they deserve to be a management consultant. Consultants all fit a certain image. We all speak in a certain way. We all present ourselves in a certain way. And we all have this, I think, internal drive and confidence um, that that sets us apart. Of course, there are exceptions to the rule. But more or less, management consultants you know, articulate those attributes. So the b bottom line is that when you when you are declined for a for a case, even when you receive feedback that said your fit was fine but you were declined on the case side, you could be declined on the cases because of your communication. And when I say fit, I'm including communication. So while they may say your fit stories were fine, if you didn't communicate well, I consider that a fit problem. And even though the communication issues may have come out on the case side, I still consider it a fit issue. Right? It's not a content issue of your ability to analyze cases. It's the way you communicate. So just understand that fit is measured in every single part of an interview. It's measured from the first time you make, you, you make contact with a partner. For example, if you are someone who's trying to get an interview and you speak to a partner, even if that partner tells you you're not being assessed, you're automatically being assessed. Think about it logically. Do you think the partner is just going to do a Q&A, then decide even if you did badly in that Q&A, he's going to ignore that, invite you back for another session and then assess you that's illogical why would he do that it's wasting time so you're always being assessed for fit right when you're in a case you're being assessed for fit even when you are solving a case the interviewer is thinking in the back of the head okay is the logic make sense is the content sound how will this person appear if i put them in front of a client you're always being assessed for fit always remember that right it's human nature we can only assess you for content after we had some time to speak to you, but we can assess you for fit immediately. So understand that about fit. And think about this when you review some of the um, guidelines on the fit questions that are posted below. 
I hear this, another point I want to make is about the style of your interview. And I hear this very often, you know, the interviewer is very friendly, seem very interested, and, you know, therefore I think I made a good impression. That is just ridiculous. Just because someone is friendly with you, to you does not mean you made a good impression. Have you ever been to Canada? Just about everyone's friendly. That doesn't mean you made a good impression. Have you been to Singapore? They're also very friendly. It doesn't mean you made a good impression. The point is, you don't know the disposition of the person with whom you are interviewing. Therefore, you are in no position to judge whether their demeanor is an indication of how you performed in the case. If you've known this person for 20 years and you know how they behave when they like someone and feel and, and impressed by someone, then you can make that judgment call. Other than that, you cannot make that judgment call. I mean, have you been with a, have you interviewed with Bain recently in the United States? Bain consult Bain has made a, a large push to make themselves more friendlier, and they are ridiculously friendly. I mean, maybe to the point of being too friendly, but because they are friendly, you cannot assume the interview is going well. And what I find is that a lot of candidates. You know, the interview, they think the interview is going so well with Bain is they sort of let their guard down and they end up doing worse. The point is, you could get a hostile interviewer, you could get a friendly interviewer, you could get a neutral interviewer, you could get an ambivalent interviewer, you can get all shades of interviewers. You cannot allow the disposition or the predisposition of the interviewer or the characteristic, if that's the word you want to use, or the character to determine how you are doing. Even if you get a very tough interviewer and you are, you know, sitting across the table from him or her, it should not change the way you behave. It's very important. Don't allow the tone of the interviewer's character to set the tone of the discussion. Two people take part in a discussion. At the very least, if you are able to um, project the kind of tone that you want to set in the conversation, you know, if you are really operating at the peer level that you should be doing, you should be able to manage the tone of the conversation, at least in the direction you want to take it. The point is, if you meet a hostile interviewer, it doesn't mean you're doing badly. There are times when I'm hostile with a candidate. It doesn't mean I hate them. I wouldn't say I'm hostile. I've chosen to be hostile. That's very important. There are times when I decide to take a different route to throw off interviewers. People who do cases with me know I do that. In case preparation, I will tell the candidate up front, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be tough on you. Um, be aware of that. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be tough. So don't take it personally. And you'll be shocked how many candidates take it personally. They, they start crying. We've had a few candidates who actually start crying in case preparation, even though they've asked us to be tougher on them just for preparation. And we've told them before that particular session, we're going to be tough on them. And other times I'm very friendly. The point is, you have to be able to handle all kind of interviewer personalities you meet. And do not assume that just because someone is tough or indifferent, they don't like you. There's no correlation, you know. Um, people you know, it, it's it's a it's this whole Harvard Business Review nonsense about teams being, um, you know, friendly and professional and so on. I mean, it's just utter nonsense that teams operate in this collegial way. Some of the best teams I've ever worked with don't operate that way. The point is, each team is unique, and the and the analogy I'm making here is that the dynamic that the interviewer may bring to a uh, interview is not homogenous. Not everyone's going to be friendly if they like you, right? And, you know, what the Harvard Business Review tends to show is that all teams, um, you know, have this um, common value system of being friendly, being uh, nice to each other, being supportive. And, and to be honest, great teams don't always work that way. And the point is, when you are in an interview with an interviewer, the two of you are making up a team. So the point is, you cannot read too much into the interviewer's personality, right? When speaking to the interviewer, very important point, I would like you before you um, 
or after you listen to this podcast to go read an article in the New York Times, front page article, and I want you to count the number of times facts are inserted into that article, dates, times, names of people, names of places, numbers, and so on. That is the way you need to speak when you speak in a fit interview. No one wants your opinion. If they want your opinion, they will be very clear and say, what do you think? But in most cases, they, wanted, they want you to present the facts, what you did, the unambiguous parts of what you did, and they want to listen to what you've done, listen to the facts, and be able to draw a conclusion about how you performed. They don't want you to have the facts in your head and give your spin on what happened, no. No one's interested in your spin. I mean, I mean, maybe that's harsh, but that's true. I want to listen to the facts. I want to know when you did this, why you did this, who was reporting to, how much you saved, how you saved it. Right? Don't use statements like, you know, we were a very uh, close team. That's makes means nothing. Say that, you know, I was working with a team that I've been working in for five years. We'd worked on 20 projects together. Therefore, I believe I knew each team member well. That's very different from saying we had worked together and we were a close-knit team. Use facts to convey a story. Beyond facts, the interviewer is most looking for what you told someone to get them to change their mind. And I, and I cannot stress this point enough. And to be honest, I tell this to everyone and they still get it wrong. When I say they want to know what you told the person, I want to quote. I want to know, start quote, end quote, what you told the person. And I, I must be honest with you, in an interview, yes, you can, in a fit interview, you can tell me everything that you supposedly did. But when it comes to that quote, it's the part I'm paying the most attention to. I want to hear exactly what you told the person, how they responded. Because everything is an interpretation, right? Even when you give me facts and figures, you are deciding what facts and figures to give me. But when you give me that quote, I can judge for myself how you interpreted the situation, whether you interpreted it correctly, and whether you used the right motivational you know, carrot and stick techniques to get the team to move forward. So I want specific quotes. If you cannot remember a specific quote, then you know, don't go for an interview because it's not going to work, but I want a specific quote. Some offices, of course, there are going to be exceptions to the rules. You know, you may interview in an office that doesn't ask this, but by and large, 95% of the offices will want this. If you don't offer it, they will dig for it. And this comes to the next point, digging. You know, candidates practice with us and we always tell them that's not good enough. And they'll say, but why? I practice this. You don't know how McKinsey or BCG are going to dig. You know, I do, I do a, um, one of the things I do when I screen people is I ask them about their resume. And I think everyone that I've interviewed, when I keep on probing behind a point in their resume, you, they eventually realize that what they actually did is very different from what they wrote up in that bullet point and they need to change those bullet points and that's true the point is we want we when we do fit interviews we will dig consulting firms will dig to understand what you exactly did if you understand what you did and to understand the underlying story because people train people memorize stories to bring forward and, and we we actually know this. So it's our job to dig behind the scenes, to try to understand as much as possible to see if the individual pieces of information that they have not memorized corroborate the path that they have presented, right? Maybe this is the fifth point I'm going to state now before you go into the podcast about the particular um, fit questions. It is not what you say, but how you say it. And this is very important. I mean, I have candidates on a daily basis writing to us I mean, I've been on sick leave for those who, you know, been following the blog. And I've been working from home. And when I work from home, I tend to work longer hours because it's easier for me to, to get things done. And a lot of candidates come to me and say, is this a, a good weakness? There's no such thing as a good or bad weakness, right? 
It's how you present the weakness. You can take the worst weakness in the world, such as you become emotional. I was actually dealing with this with a candidate. You know, he said, he gave me some weaknesses and he said they're all bad. And I said, well, actually, a bad weakness is, you know, when you say bad, do you mean good, bad, or bad, bad? And, I, and he said, well, it's bad, bad, in the sense that, you know, it's it's a real weakness, but it's not what they want to hear. And I said, actually, that's not true. I want to hear your real weaknesses. I don't want to manufacture them for you. Give me a real weakness and I'll show you how to present it. You need to present a sincere weakness, and it's the way that you present it that counts. The weakness is irrelevant. Let me tell you that right now. You can tell me you are bad at math. You can tell me that, and I can find a way to to, to present it that makes it sound as if it's a positive thing. right? And I know you're thinking, I know a lot of you will get stuck on that point. How can being bad at math be a positive thing for a consulting firm. Let me tell you something. Most consultants are not that great at math. Yes, all the MBAs, all the PhDs, all the masters in finance, all the masters in engineering, all the masters in physics and so on are good at math. But you don't join a consulting firm for being good at math. You join a consulting firm for being analytical. Proof is a number of lawyers and social science majors and arts majors that join consulting firms. They're not necessarily good at math. They're good enough at math, but they're deeply analytical. To join a consulting firm, you have to be analytical, not good at math. There are many people who are good at math and don't make it in. You know, And I'm sure you actually know those people as well. So the point I'm trying to make is not what you say, it's how you say it. So do not become obsessed by saying, do I have the right contact? Delivery is important, right? We all know that. You know, that's why companies go to so much trouble to pick the right kind of spokespersons and so on. And that's why, you know, you're listening to this podcast to understand how to deliver content. So just remember these things. Keep them in the back of your head as you prepare for fit. I, I can tell you right now that most people fail consulting uh, interviews because of the fit side, not on the case side. You're sure you'll pass the case, but you deliver it in such a way that you present deep uncertainties in the mind of the interviewer with regard to your ability to inspire confidence in the client. Um, and you can do that in a number of ways. I mean, I've seen the way people sit. I've had to coach, you know, women on how to sit. You know, really petite women. Have you seen what they do when they get into a chair? They can't fit into it. Their legs dangle and they slouch forward. And you got to coach them on all these things. You know, how do you present an image for yourself that makes sense? Now, moving into image management, which I don't want to do. That's a totally separate discussion. Well, here we're dealing with fit, which is, you know, how do you articulate who you are, and how do you communicate that? That is fit. So if you have any questions, please feel free to respond to the podcast which follow or to this particular podcast.